I want to start by getting you to understand something. Uh, there's a lot of people that have this, this kind of condemnatory attitude to life. Look, God orders all things after the counsel of his own will. He's got a perfect plan for everyone. Is that plain? And you are going to fulfill his plan because his plan was based on total foreknowledge. And he prepared a place for you and you will get there either in joy or dragging and screaming, but you're still going to get there. There's no way you won't. Because my God is almighty God, his sovereign God, and the devil has nothing to do with stopping you. He cannot. And the devil is not making you who you are. You're a big enough devil yourself to make you what you are. And my God is totally in control. He has all authority in heaven, on earth, under the earth. Is that plain? And there's some people who are headed for destruction. And they always were and they always will be. That's that. And it's by the foolishness of preaching men are saved. And Lord alone knows. I sometimes think, God, why didn't you make it? You can't argue someone into life. You can't counsel them into life. You can't help them into life. You can't pray them into life. You can't. One of the signs I hate most of all in all my life is prayer changes things. Prayer changes nothing. Do get that right. God changes things. And if God doesn't do it, and when you pray, you pray to God, but you pray to God asking him to do things, but your prayer won't change it. God has to. And if God decides not to, doesn't matter how long you pray, how loud you shout, nothing's going to happen. Is that plain? God is in control. My. You know, the curse of our society is people put themselves over as victims all the time. Well, you know, it's not the young people's fault. They're victims of poverty. They're victims of society. They're victims. No! There's no such thing as a victim. You are today what you are because that's what you want to be. Forget it, Buster. If you think you're a victim, I want to tell you, you've got a problem. It's called self-absorption. And it's time you woke up. Is that plain? And if you live like that, I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll destroy yourself and those around you. Victim. There's no such thing as a victim. Why? Because you don't understand the nature of God. Because the nature of God is a God of love. And he orders all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, just to prove it's so, I'm going to go to the Bible. Uh, and unfortunately, you're in trouble. If you're a victim person, you're in dead trouble this morning. You know? <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Now, if you don't know where Ruth is, it's in the Bible. In the Old Testament, just after Judges. Uh, and... The whole of the story of Ruth um, is so important because uh, it's a book put in the scriptures to show you that there's no such thing as coincidence. And, And when you read it, you begin to understand. Now in Judges, uh, you'll find right on the last verse of Judges that everyone ended up doing what was right in their own eyes. 
And it's amazing how, in the church of Jesus Christ, people do what's right in their own eyes. You know, they hear from God. They've got a private line. It's amazing that very often it doesn't agree with Scripture. They don't seem to have any understanding of the nature of God. There's nothing right or wrong. There's just life. And once you start having a list of do's and don'ts, you're under legalism, not in Christ. And there's a lot of people who end up in legalism. And so I just want to spend some time, look with me in Judges um, 21, you'll see in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in what? His own eyes. In other words, there came a day when a whole people did what was right in their own eyes. And unfortunately, in the church today, we have, uh, I'm talking of the church universal, we have this thing where everyone's getting their own little revelation, their own little gimmick, and everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, and God's getting left out of the package. They've got this... um, Holy Spirit fixation. Uh, When you read your Bible, the Holy Spirit's hardly mentioned at all through the whole of Scripture, except that Charismatics and Pentecostals ignorantly have made things into the Holy Spirit that aren't the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus very rarely mentioned, and you'll find um, it's just become a fixation with people. Now, I do believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I do believe in the, the impartation of the reality of life, which gives me tongues, interpretation, prophecy, and those things. And not gifts for me, but actually a part of the nature of God. And, and I want you to understand that's always been in God. It's not... This idea that somehow there's a second blessing is nonsense. Once you receive Christ in his fullness and you're born and you're a new creation, uh, we are baptized by one spirit into one body. There aren't multiple bodies. And you can't divide God up. Jesus is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They're one. They're three persons in one, but they're one. Uh, and you can't receive Jesus without receiving the Holy Spirit. And you can't receive the Holy Spirit without receiving Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the Father of one. He that has seen me has seen the Father. So you've got all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelling in you if you're a Christian. End of story. Is that plain? Doesn't matter what your teaching says, it's what the Bible says. And I'm a Bible believer. That's it. And if it appalls you, be appalled. But uh, I believe in reading scripture and believing the book. And so we're in Ruth and in an Old Testament book. Here are people, every man doing what's right in his own eyes. You know, people get in messes because they just don't take advice. That's the reason people get in messes. You know, in the old days, I'm talking in the old days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, 
and the father of the faithful, uh, they took advice. Uh, man has lost the ability anymore to listen and take advice. What they do is they arrogantly think they're right and they do what's right in their own eyes and they won't do what they're told to do and they won't obey God. They just feel they've got their own hotline to heaven. They're not led of the spirit and it destroys them. There's only one way to live and Christ is the way. Only one life. He's the life. There's only one truth. He is the truth. And doctrine has nothing to do with it. And people have made doctrine the king of the church instead of making Christ the head, the Lord. Is that plain? Hello? Look at the book of Ruth. I love it. Uh, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Uh, Why does famine come? Famine comes when people do what's right in their own eyes. You know, you want to get empty. I'll tell you, do what's right in your own eyes. You, you will miss the bread of life completely. Uh, and in Bethlehem Judah, there's a man called Bethlehem Judah, you, you'll find the whole thing started with an attitude. And in life, most things start with an attitude. Uh, <laughs> it's a way of life. And if you don't understand the nature of God, your attitude and way of life is going to be way off beam. You have to know who he is and what he's like. And that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It's not, I I, I don't need to know a doctrine or a philosophy or an idea. I need to know a person. Is that plain? And so you'll find the man of Bethlehem Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And so the story goes on that the two sons find their wives of the Moabites. And first the father dies and then the two sons die after ten years. And Naomi is left with her two daughter-in-laws. And you think, well, first of all, the sons traveled a long way to get away from famine. Tremendous need. So they went with their father and mother, and there they were for 10 years, sitting down waiting. Famine. Everyone doing what they thought was right in their own eyes. Death came. And um, you'll find uh, Naomi says in verse 11, uh, Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Will you go with me? She's decided to go back to where her husband uh, and she came from. Uh, and she, Oh, let's take verse 8. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, 
as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi says, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Now, the reason was that if, if a son died, it was the duty of the next son, the nearest kinsman, to take that woman to wife. That was part of the law of Moses. And it was there. And so uh, widows were always looked after by the brothers. And she was saying, hey, I just, you know, I'm too old to start off again. And if you wait for my sons to grow up, you're going to be too old before they're grown. You know, that's over. And they said, no, we're going to go with you. And she um, says, verse 13, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And here she says, look, God's against me. And she doesn't say it's the devil. She said, it's God who was against me. My husband and my two sons are dead. And it was God who did it. That's what she's saying. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people. You know, a kiss and a goodbye. I'm going back. You know, there's... There's a, a certain thing in people. They'll go back to the security they know when they can't get what they want where they are. They'll go back like a dog to its vomit and a pig to its filth when they can't get what they need. She went back. Ruth didn't. And it's interesting. Naomi says, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Man, that is what you call total commitment. Now, remember, this is a mother-in-law, and no relative. She says, this is it. And here's Naomi who said, look, God cursed me. Look what God bought. And she blames God and she's bitter about it. You'll find that. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. She's bitter about it. Call me Mara. She's bitter. And yet Ruth, for some reason, saw through everything 
to the God that Naomi had. And in the midst of what would seem so contrary, she said, no, your God's going to be my God. There's no way I'm ever going to go back. Where you go, I go. Where you tarry, I tarry. Where you lie down, I lie down. Where you die, I'll die. I'm, this is for life. Now, there was no expectation of any reward, and there was no expectation of anything. It was a commitment. And that is the only kind of commitment that Christ expects of an individual. And you say, but they weren't born again. No, it's nothing to do with new births. Understand this. And many people walk into a church and they know there's something different. But they don't get met in the same way. God touches them, but they don't get met. I'll tell you, the most important thing is total and utter abandonment. Ruth was saying, hey, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm going with you. If you die, I die. Where you're buried, I'll be buried. Your God's my God. That's it. You could say to Ruth, but you don't know this God. No. But there's something that's so caught her that she could not resist what was there, but she didn't understand it at all. And she got the worst example of what could happen. Naomi is saying, hey, look what God did to my sons. Look what he did to my husband. They're dead. I'm leaving their graves in the land of the Moabites. I'm taking with me a Moabite. She was leaving a nation. She was leaving a kindred. She was leaving everything. She was making a decision. You know, everyone in the end makes a decision for Christ or not. And when you do, you've got to be sure that the commitment is one that's life. You say, well, you, you can't earn anything. It's not your decision. Yeah, there is a decision you make. You know, you get saved by the foolishness of preaching. God meets you when his word is quickened to you. That's a sovereign work of God. But I'll tell you this, it's no coincidence you're here and it's no coincidence you're part of what is here so God can bring you in when he chooses to. I want to tell you, you didn't get here by mistake. You got here because God orders all things after the counsel of his own will. You say, well, he didn't meet me immediately. No. Didn't meet Ruth immediately. She had a goal. And the journey wasn't the easiest journey. But they heard that there was food again in Israel. And so off they go to Bethlehem, city of bread. And I find so many people... If they can't get what they want straight away, get bitter, twisted, and go away and fail to have a lifelong commitment, and that's why they never come into life. 
They'll sit in the church, but they'll never come into life. And they're tied to their first birth, and they forget. That's not what you're called to. It's your second birth. And religion locks you in your first birth. Is that plain? Uh, You've got to leave your family. Came a day when I got uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, I, I went into business. Uh, my mother said to me, she wasn't a Christian, I tell you that. She was far from Christian at all in those days. And she said to me, listen, she said, there's no need for you to go 100% for Christ. And my mother. She said, what you do is, is you carry on with your business. You're doing well. Look, God doesn't mind you having business, she said. You just keep your business, keep your... Don't, don't make your religion your life. You know, you, you've got a family coming, you've got responsibility. Don't make religion your life. So compromise. Locking you in. Now, I could have taken her attitude, but I couldn't. Because within me, I was different. And I, I remember a time when... Um, I first met Ida Holzer, you know, Benson, and we made a covenant with each other on the first time of meeting. I, I, I shall never forget it <laughs> all those years ago. There was this covenant. Where you go, I go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your God will be my God. Uh, why? Just because... You know, God orders all things after the counsel of his own will. I can't explain. I never could. I, I can never explain anything in life. I just know that God weaves it into my life. It, it's just, it, just the pattern of life. God weaves things in. He weaves in relationships. He weaves in everything. And, and he makes you the person you are by how he integrates it into your life. Uh, nothing happens by chance. Nothing. He has a perfect plan. And his plan is going to work out. And everything that comes in your life, the Bible says all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. And you said, but... But wrong things happened. Yes, they did. There was no way Naomi was going to end up back in uh, Bethlehem, Judah, if her husband and two sons hadn't died. There was no way that Ruth, the Moabite, was going to go into Bethlehem. There was no way that she was going to meet up with Boaz a near kinsman. There was no way that anything was going to happen if God didn't order it. Now, it seemed very judgmental. It seemed hard. It seemed wrong, but it was right. She said, God did it. I've seen people come to Christ and transform in their lives when the biggest disasters hit them. 
And you say, that's terrible. No, it was the saving of them. I've seen people bury their wives, and that has been the very thing that has brought them to Christ. I've seen people bury their husbands, and that's the thing that's brought them into liberty. And you say, well, that's disastrous. No, that's life. And you say, well, why did God allow it? Well, God's God. And I don't know. God's ways are past finding out. And if you're one of these people that has a total explanation for everything, God bless you, you should be preaching, not me. Because I don't know. I, I can't figure out many things. I mean, God's ways are past finding out. What I do know is a God of love with a nature of love. He doesn't need me, I need him. And he loved me so much, he sent his son to redeem me. That's it. And I find that a good news gospel. Uh, The worst turns out always to be the best. How? Well, God in his infinite wisdom and love makes it so. And how? I haven't got a clue. So anything in your life is not a coincidence. God is scheming and working. And it's out of a heart of love for you. And he's doing it all on your behalf. And you will discover that everything that's come in your life will work together for good. And you'll look back and say, well, how did that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. You've got a God of all creation who figured it out before he created anything. Hey, he created the world out of nothing. When he said, let there be, he said, it was nothing became something. There was nothing. And in your life, nothing becomes something. My God is a God of just total self-sufficiency. He doesn't need anything. People say, oh, you know, God needed humanity. God did not need humanity. If you think God needs you, look in a mirror sometime. We need him. Is that plain? And we need relationship. God doesn't need anything. God God is completing himself. And I find find so obnoxious the kind of teaching that somehow God needs you. You know, and God needs someone. He doesn't need anyone to love, thank you. He really doesn't. He just is love. That's who he is. And so in his love, he got rid of the husband and two sons. But Naomi didn't look on it that way. How can God let this happen? I'm in a foreign country. They've married Moabites. Everything's falling apart. My whole life, I'm empty. That's her story. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, bitter. I find, you know, bitterness is because people don't perceive God. They become a victim. God's God. And sometimes there's no explanation. There's no explanation. I think humanity always demands an explanation of everything 
uh, and wants to understand everything. And when you understand the nature of God, you stop being so finickety and stupid. After that, it, it's a matter of trust. Here, here's Ruth. Look at this trust. Verse 16, entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Did she know where she was going? No. Did she know what prospect there was when she got there? No. Did she know how they'd be received? No. Did she know anything? No. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. That's going to be interesting. Where? Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. Boy, a total abandonment. You know, it's just the way it is. You, you, either, you either are like that or you're not. And you say, but she wouldn't, she wouldn't part of the Jewish nation. No, she wouldn't. She was Moabitess. But it was two generations later that King David came and he was, he was down in the line for Jesus. And King David, two kings came out of her. And, and yet it was all because there came a day when she had to make a choice and she made a choice. Well, I can go back to my family. I can go back to the secure. I can go back or I can go where I don't know. She went not knowing whither she went. I, I remember a story of Abraham. Get out of your house, your kindred, your tribe, your nation, go. And in, in essence, every walk of faith is like that. In essence, if you're going to be a Christian... It is a kind of abandonment. And you say, but they're not born again yet. No. Haven't had any. No. Don't know. No. Life is full of uncertainty. That's why the Bible says sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Who knows what's happening tomorrow? But you do know that if God looks after the sparrows, he'll look after you. Because you're more valuable than the sparrows, said Jesus. So it's called trust, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. But in the end, uh, the paths are very uncertain. But he's prepared a path for us. And he's going to, by circumstances, get us to walk in it. And when you're a Christian, you just have to abandon yourself to go the right way. And you leave family, you leave kindred, you leave everything. Because number one, you belong to him. I wonder what Paul did with his wife. She never went with him. Peter's wife did, but Paul's didn't. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, so he had to be married. That's why in Corinthians you find he says, well, if the wife wants to stay, fine. If she wants to go, let her go. Same with the wives, with the husband. In the end, you've got to make your choice. How many times do you see women come to church and the husband doesn't? 
Well, husbands come to church and a woman doesn't. Well, who is your loyalty to? Where you go, I'm going. She left the grave of her husband behind. And then there's a choice. You know, you can still live with them if they're happy to live with you, but basically you're going to go God's way. And that's something that people can't lay hold on. They don't understand that that's the way it is. Verse 20, And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty dealt very bitterly with me. Now, it's just so amazing that, you know, this woman had got to a right state of bitterness. Man, she blamed God for everything. And yet, Ruth was prepared to say, This is my God. Your God's going to be my God. After all she... What did she know that Naomi hadn't got hold of? You know, you imagine, here she is, so mad at God. Your God's going to be my God. Why didn't she think, well, look how he dealt with you. Man, I don't need a God like that. But she understood the mercies of God. She understood the grace of God. How? doesn't tell us she just did and look she says in verse 21 i went out full and the lord hath brought me home again empty why then call you me near me seeing the lord hath testified against me and the almighty hath afflicted me <laughs> so near me returned and ruth the moabites her daughter-in-law with her which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Do you know, it's amazing there's only a few days of harvest, and they came right at the beginning of the barley harvest. Turned up at the very point. How, how come? It, it took them time to get there, but they turned up at a time of harvest. I want to tell you, when someone makes a decision to really commit themselves, they'll find it's always at a time of harvest. It's just the way it goes. Not a coincidence, just the way it is. Because God orders all things after the counsel of his own will. He'll arrange for a harvest right at the right time. Because God's God. Nothing's a coincidence. And it's just the nature of God. I I love God's total nature. And you'll find in chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Now, I want you to know that they didn't discuss this, nor did she know where where, uh, Boaz had any field. All she knew was that Naomi needed to be fed. She needed to be fed. And... In the Jewish nation, a stranger could come in, and you'll find it in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, a stranger could come in, and there was always left at the edge of the fields a place to glean. 
for the stranger and for the widows. The edges of the field were left for them to glean. Any time of harvest, the widows and maidens could come and glean. And so she says, okay, here she is. She's going out now. She's come all this way with Naomi, a woman who says, God hasn't treated me very well. In fact, more than that, she said, God, God's treated me terribly. Uh, and yet, when she gets there, look what she says. Uh, Ruth says, it's quite interesting. Uh, she says, go let me glean um, ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She's expecting grace. She's expecting totally undeserved favor coming from a God who Naomi says is awful. Look at the way he's dealt with me. And Ruth has got a different opinion. Now, what put that opinion in her mind? Why do you come to this church? What, what got you here? What circumstance of life caught you? What brought you? See, if you're smart, you'll realize that there's grace. If you're stupid, you'll miss it completely. My God is a God of grace. And so she goes. And look, and she went, verse 3, and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap, that means the chance, by chance, upon chance, she came to a certain field, and it was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the, of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, just by chance, out of all of Bethlehem, she ended up in the right field. Hebrew word means chance upon chance. She just ended up there. Hap. Just happened. And God is quite capable of getting you in the right place for the right meal at the right time. No matter what your circumstances, however bitter it seems. Oh, how could God let this happen? How could he do this? How could she do that? You'll find there's always a right field. For those who understand the nature of God. And it's his nature that's the relevant thing. You know, my God's a God of love. He's figured it out. He loves you. And, and it's always... You know, the wrong is right when it's in God. It's just that you're a stubborn pig and won't listen. But, you know, God in his mercy and love will get through to your thick head. You see, the thing is most important is loyalty. Who's your loyalty to? In the end, the people that get the food are the people that are loyal. And it's amazing how many people get familiar. And there was one left back in Moab, land of Moab. 
She married. She'd done the same things as Ruth. She just made a different choice. I'm not taking a chance. The other one. My life is going to be where you are. Simple. No hope. But there she went. Just happened. And behold, it just happened that Boaz came, verse 4, from Bethlehem. It just happened that he'd been on a journey and he came back to Bethlehem and he came at the time of the harvest and he looked out and he, he said <laughs> to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? Hey, what is it that's caused me to find grace in your eyes? Now, let me explain something to you. There's a lot of people that get met by God. God touches them in their life. They come in and they don't understand. You know, the angels are the reapers, if you remember. And the one who's in charge of the reapers is just an angel. Says, Jesus told us that. Don't think the reapers as a pastor or an evangelist. No, the reapers are the angels. Sorry. That's how the kingdom of God is. And here, 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 here they, they say, you know, she's here. And so she falls down on her face and says, well, what is it about me that I've found grace in your sight? I didn't expect anything. I don't deserve anything. I don't belong to your nation. I'm here. I've got a mother-in-law back at home who needs food. And I've come out to work. To work so I can live. That's all. I'm not expecting anything. Except what my hand produces. Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? And that's the way it is with people. You know, some people come in and they say, well, what is it? Where's the catch? I mean, why would God do that? I don't deserve it. And Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. 
and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto the people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Man, what an answer. You see, God sees the things that appear insignificant. God sees the thing. Now, here's Boaz. It just so happened he came on the day. It just so happened he noticed her. It just so happened he asked the reapers. It just so happened her reputation of what she'd done to Naomi and how she'd stayed with her had come. It just so happened. Everything just so But there's no coincidences in God. It just so happened she chose the right field to be in. Do you know God in all eternity had worked it out? His son was going to be born of a virgin. I want to tell you, his son was coming through this line and Ruth was going to be part of it. It just so happened she was a Moabitess. It just so happened. But it was all in God's plan. And he says, look, now she didn't earn it and she didn't do anything to earn anything. It was how she could live. And she had made a life commitment. (laughs) And the reward of a life commitment is not a reward because it was grace. She said, well, how, how is it I've found grace? Hey, she didn't do it for any reason except her love of Naomi. She had left her mother and father's house. She left everything. She's gone. Do you know, there's nothing you can give or there's nothing you can sacrifice, there's nothing you can leave that God won't abundantly bless because of his love. It's his nature. When someone makes that choice, his nature operates. But it's grace. You don't make the choice in order to get. You make the choice... Because you make the choice. And it's down the road that suddenly she finds blessing. God promised to bless the work of your hands. And and it's not that you work to get the blessing. It's just that God will bless what you do. Because it's his nature. And if you understand the nature of God, you'll find that all this kind of, oh, you've got to do this and then God. No, 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 no. Not that at all. It's grace. Is that plain? Then she said, verse 13, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thy handmaidens. And there are all the handmaidens of of the uh, children of Israel. Boaz notices this one woman. She's not like everyone else. Moabitess stands out, but man, she's determined and, and she gleans and she works. And God just selects her. You know, people get selected by God. I've found in my life it's amazing. They do the natural and they don't understand that 
God notices everything. It, it, when you're faithful in that which is least, God will entrust you with the most. But it takes faithfulness. And faithfulness is something that is a God's gift to you. I, I, I can never understand with all the things that could go wrong, why did Ruth understand the nature of God? That's what fascinates me. I mean, she watched the examples of Naomi in her house. Man, she had every cause to get bitter. She'd lost her husband. She'd lost her father-in-law. She'd lost the one who was the head of the house who should have brought in the money, didn't. She lost everything. She lost hope. Now, she was told, go back to your parents. Go back to your own home. No. I made a choice. And the choice, a fascinating choice, and that is really where people come to. When you make a decision, you know, you actually, if you really make a life commitment, will discover blessing, but you don't discover the blessing because of the life commitment. You discover the blessing because of the field you're in. And how do you get to that field? Well, it just so happened. Uh, if you got to the right field with the right boss, you're in luck. And if you'd gone to the wrong field, but God makes sure you get to the right field for the right blessing, because that's the way he is. What a God we serve. Isn't he good? I, I just want to uh, just share a bit more so you can see. I, I, I love grace. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift. It's a, people make mistakes. They think they've got to do this, got to do that. No, no, no. And Boaz said unto her, Hey, at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers and he reached her parched corn. And she did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaths and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Do you know, my God is a good God. He provides and here he was, you know, she, she goes, she eats a meal and she goes out. And then Boaz, who, who's a type of Christ, turns around to the reapers. And, and he said, look, don't tell her. Just make sure you drop good handfuls right in a way. Why? Because there was something about her that... God loved. Grace. And God's heart is to always drop handfuls just where we need them. And so he dropped them. The reapers dropped them. Said, it doesn't matter if she even gleaned. Don't tell her off. She's special. Now, the all the other handmaidens didn't get that privilege. Just the choice one. And that's the way it is in life. Life's not fair. Uh, you know, it's just the way it goes. And so she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned. I was about 
an ether of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that which she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today was Boaz. And it goes on. And I don't want to go on. She reveals it, and you know the story. Naomi says, "Uh uh-uh. And everything works out. But the thing I want to draw your attention to is the fact that it doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It was God who did it. It doesn't matter what circumstances seem. It's God who's in control. Now, all things are going to work together for good. He weaves everything into your life for a purpose. Now, you might think it's to destroy you. Ruth could have thought that. But she understood the nature of God. Somehow she reached through and she believed God. And I want to tell you today, there's nothing in your life that God doesn't control. There's no circumstance in the earth he doesn't control. There's no person that he doesn't control. My God is in control of everything. And that's why everything is not what it seems. It's different. And it just matters whether you have faith to believe and trust in the nature of God or in your own human reasoning. If you believe in him, all things work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And the most contrary things will be sometimes the greatest blessing. Because if her father-in-law hadn't died, if her husband hadn't died, if things hadn't gone so disastrously wrong seemingly, then the very things that God had planned would never have been. And the line of Christ would not have been. But it had to be. Because it was all in God's plan. And do you know, God has a perfect plan for you. And everything is woven together. The trouble is when people get stubborn and they don't allow God's plan to operate in their life but they go back to what God never intended. What would have happened if her sister-in-law had come with her instead of going back? Two people. There was plenty of food amongst the Moabites. Moabites, uh, and she could have stayed. It was family. But she made a choice. And really in life, it's all about making choices that God puts in our way. Because God organizes the choices. God organizes everything. And sometimes the choices seem a bad deal. 
Thank goodness me, how could God have let that happen? But he did. It happened. And yet God loves me. And I can trust him. And that's the gospel. In a nutshell. A good God. Who's always good. His nature is to do us good. And we get so bitter when things don't go the way we'd like them to go. Everyone finds things in their life that don't exactly work out. Huh? And you think, How, God, why did you let this happen? Why'd you? you know, I've found increasingly that what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. And, and God has got schemes that you, you know, his ways are past finding out. God works it all out. And you think you've got, got it nailed, exactly what God's doing. And you find out he's got another plan. And he's ordered the angels, you know, just encourage them down this path. And there's a, a little handful here and a handful there. And you think, well, you know, and you just pick it up. Think you know it. You don't. Why did my father die when I was eight? Why did I end up with no home? Why did I end up with a mother who was eight months pregnant, a brother who was a year older than me, and a dog? And no home, no hope. And... In those days, no, no kind of social welfare. Why did I end up in one room? You know, two years after my father died, they did the first operation that would have saved his life. A dorsal aorta operation replaced it. Uh, and... Now, had he, had he lived two more years, they could have saved his life. But he died two years too early. And my whole life was set on a course. But you see, God had already weaved the pattern and he decided how it was going to be. And, you know, his great love, he thought hey, to get this man in the place where I want him and to do what I want in his life, he's going to have to be in the right place at the right time. When I went to a full gospel businessman's fellowship meeting of 4,000 people there, he told the man in charge, Dima Shikarian, leave everyone, go for that man. And he looked at me sitting 40 rows back and he walked straight down to me because God said, go get him. I've got a work for him to do. Why did God pick me out of all those people? Why did he leave? God's very particular how he does it. Did I deserve it? No, I was there to prove God didn't exist. God. Huh. All things work together for good. You know you can trust the arms of love? Yeah, he loves me. And, you know, have I been through dark times? You better believe I have. 
I've been through times where everything went wrong and even the things that went right were wrong. But you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you with me. Ruth understood that. Naomi didn't. Somehow, in her heart, she understood the nature of God, the nature of grace. Somehow, deep inside, God had put a total abandonment to him. What I do know is the God of love who orders all things after the counsel of his own will, who makes choices, who has a plan and a purpose. And in the end, it'll cost you everything. But oh, the riches of grace. You can leave what could be and return to your family. The bitter woman said, go back. There's nothing. And she said, well, if there's nothing, I'll die where you die. I'll be buried where you're buried. Doesn't matter. But the one thing I know, your God will be my God. It was that simple. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Whether you go, I'll go. Because I just trust him. No reward. No give to get. And you'll find the reapers said this woman was a virtuous woman. And her, her reputation, Ruth's reputation went through the whole land because of the way she treated her mother-in-law. But God had a plan. And God has a plan in grace for each one. He got you here. And hey, you're in the right field. And what God would say to you, don't go anywhere else. Just wait. You know, there's a saying that the grass is always greenest on the other side. Well, maybe if she'd gone back in the land of the Moabites where her family was, she'd have been much better off than going and having to work to support Naomi. She wouldn't have had to do that. She could have found a husband. She wouldn't have had responsibility because she had a mother-in-law. She had to look after her. So she stayed. I see many people that make a big mistake because they want everything at once and grace isn't like that. Just life. If only everything went well. Well, some things don't. That's just the way life is.
But can you trust the one who ordered all things well? Who somehow is going to make every single circumstance in your life a blessing. Providing your trust and loyalties to him. You know, once Boaz said, don't go to another field, she never went anywhere else. She stayed with the maidens, she ate there, and she found all the provision was there. That's the way it was. And that's the gospel. But there are fools who don't understand his nature. What was it about Ruth? You know, Jesus criticized the Pharisees. If you turn to Luke chapter 20, you'll discover it there. And it says this in verse 46, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. You almost think that's talking about televangelists. You know, you go to Africa and they want to have all-night prayer meetings. Great show. And Jesus was saying they devour widows' houses. And you'll notice that in Acts of the Apostles, they took the responsibility for widows and orphans into the church. First thing they did with the deacons. They understood that the church was a place of help and life, not a place for enrichment. And you notice that when Ruth came back with all she'd gleaned, she'd set aside the portion for Naomi came back gave it to her mother-in-law it wasn't a selfish ambition it was a selfless life and that's what we're all called to and when you tell people that today they only think of themselves how much can I make how much can I do Instead of, what can I give? Just an attitude. It's an interesting story, isn't it? Hmm. If I could only get people out of their selfish, self-centered ways to realize that the easiest way to get anything is to be a giver 
Not that you give to get, but that it becomes your nature. Failure comes because people live so enmeshed in themselves, in their ambition, their ministry, their ideas. Well, I want to tell you, it don't work. What does work is realizing who owns the field. And she became the inheritor of everything. You know, he was only a near kinsman. You'll find the one, when, he, when the one who was the real kinsman came and found out she was a Moabite, he didn't want to share his inheritance. And there's a lot of people that don't like sharing. They don't want to keep everything. He wanted to secure his future. So he said to Boaz, you take her. Give him the shoe, you know. Oh. <laughs> but the thing is that I learned something long ago. That God is God. And if you understand the nature of God... Then when you're in your darkest hour, you can look up into his face and say, well, you know, a fine pickle you've got me in. But I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded. And God has a plan and it'll work out for you. Everyone else might laugh at you and say, see what your Christianity's done? Say, yeah. God's woven in a pattern for me. And everything that happens is going to work for my good. And it doesn't matter what befalls me. I know my God will make me more than a conqueror because my heart was set on him. I know he loves me. I know he cares. That's Christianity. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in him. In his nature, in his love, in his grace, in his mercy. Hey, you say, well, I don't deserve anything. Yes, you do. You deserve hell. That's why he came. I can't do anything. No, you can't. When you're in a grave or a wooden box and you get a shovel, the only way you're going to go is dig down. You'll make a bigger hole. You won't get near the light. It's only God who can bring you out of death into life. And boy, Naomi said to Ruth, you can stay. You know, she left death behind and went to life. Her sister-in-law stayed in death. Let's pray. Father, Father, I just pray for each one. Lord, they might see how important it is to be dedicated to your cause and purpose. 
to give an over to everything you are, everything you're doing. Lord, to trust you and your great love. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. You know, the nicest thing about faith is you can just rest. He loves me. It's all going to be okay. Really will. I have a future. The past is gone. 